When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. SCP-4001 Alexandria Eternal The Great Library of Alexandria in Egypt is one of the most well-known libraries in history and easily one of the largest of the ancient world. Although by modern comparison, where big libraries hold millions of books, the Library of Alexandria seems a little small, but it was incredibly significant at the time making the city of Alexandria a center of knowledge and learning. Influential scholars, mathematicians, authors, and others flocked to the city and the library to share their knowledge and expand the great collection of scrolls. In time, though, due to fires and a turning away from intellectualism, the library fell to ruin, and by the 4th century, likely nothing was left of the great library. SCP-4001 tells a different story, though, of a library located in Alexandria that has stood the test of time for millennia. If the actual library of Alexandria had been located, it likely wouldn't interest the Foundation much, but SCP-4001 turned out to be quite a bit more than that. SCP-4001 is a library, obviously, located underneath the city of Alexandria in Egypt. The entrance to it is now surrounded by a warehouse on a block owned and protected by the SCP Foundation. Going down the staircase at the entrance eventually leads to an extra-dimensional space, 312 meters wide, hundreds of kilometers in length, and an indeterminate height. It seems that it's impossible to go more than 25 meters above the floor due to the anomalous effects, resulting in you staying at the same height. Another anomalous effect occurs if you continue to walk in the same direction long enough, resulting in you coming back to where you started. It's also possible, with equipment or under the right lighting conditions, to see oneself in the far distance. The library itself is of course filled with bookshelves, many, many bookshelves, with identical dimensions and in orderly rows for hundreds of kilometers. Modern-style couches are placed every 20 meters along the main walkway, and every fifth bookshelf has an electric lamp attached to it, which are the only light sources within the library. Because of this layout, it can be very easy to lose oneself within the library, with only the staircase as a distinct marking point. The books located within SCP-4001 are all non-fiction, as all the books each correspond a single human life, detailing a person's entire life to date. The information contained in a person's book is entirely factual and accurate, making SCP-4001 an unprecedented wealth of knowledge. The books are organized based on date of birth, and new shelves and books are constantly being spontaneously created as new humans are born. Each book is the same size, regardless of the number of pages in the book, about the size of a standard paperback. 
The books are written in an unknown language that anomalously is comprehensible by anyone who reads it. By the Foundation's estimate, there are currently 120 billion books held within SCP-4001, and the number grows every day. These books can be removed from shelves and freely read, scanned, copied, and photographed, and if returned to any shelf in the library, they will disappear and reappear in its proper location. If removed from the library, it will also disappear and reappear in its proper location. If that were it, it would still be really impressive and really useful to the Foundation. But the real kicker is if something in any of the books is altered. Changing any detail in an individual's past will retroactively change history, with the new detail becoming the factual reality. Memories, locations, physical structures, physical states, and even complete existences can be changed, created, or wiped out entirely with even small alterations done. Adding a new detail to a person's book who is still living will cause that event to transpire at the first possible opportunity, such as a decision, or a change in personality, or a change in health, or a notable event, etc. This effect is similar to SCP-140, another book that can rewrite history to favor the mysterious Davites, but this effect is far more nuanced. It's no wonder that the Foundation has such secure containment procedures, including a memetic hazard on the file itself, making it more akin to an SCP-001 file than a standard document. 4001 was first found by a group of archaeologists in the 1800s during a dig in Alexandria. The Foundation swooped in, amnesticized the archaeologists, and continued to operate the dig site for a few months to keep up appearances. Teams were sent into 4001 to scout it out, placing flags as markers in various locations, and a couple of weeks after starting their explorations, a team encountered a living individual within the library. This individual refers to himself as the Watcher of Alexandria Eternal, and has been inside of the library for nearly 2,000 years. We'll get back to him in a second. Due to the sheer size of 4001, the Foundation has so far set up seven camps within the library, each containing their own generators, water filters, and beacons to help locate it. The first camp is located at the start, near the books detailing the first humans, as well as where new shelves and books are added, causing other shelves to continually expand out. Second camp is located currently 20 kilometers away, where the first births of the year 2000 are detailed. Third camp is 130 kilometers away from base camp, where the book detailing Albert Einstein's life is located. Other camps are made next to Leonardo da Vinci, Charlemagne, Marcus Aurelius, and finally the founders of the city-state of Ur. It can take days or even weeks to walk between camps, so it's recommended to use a bicycle and carry supplies of food and water. Based on the Foundation's best guesses, the earliest books correspond to human lives dating back 75,000 years, although since no dates are used, it's a little tricky to pin down for sure. These early books use titles rather than names for identification, such as Firebringer, Chief, or Friend Killer. 
Fortunately, these books are in the same condition as the newest books, so nothing is falling apart or fading. The books seem to confirm the Toba catastrophe theory, that the eruption of the Toba supervolcano about 75,000 years ago caused a population bottleneck in humanity, meaning that today's humans are descended from a very small surviving population. Another morbid fact about the library is that as many as half of all the books lack names or titles, and many more are simply titled The Baby or The Infant, due to a baby dying before being named. The Foundation is planning on installing new camps every decade, and putting in a monorail to facilitate travel across the ever-expanding library. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's go back to the Watcher of Alexandria Eternal, though as an interview was conducted in ancient Greek with him. He appears to be a human male, and although it's certainly anomalous that he's still alive after so long, he is not healthy enough to leave the library. The man immediately warns the interviewer that if they disturb the shelves, they will be cursed, but the Foundation doctor brushes that off. The man asks if they are with the Roman Republic and is quite surprised to learn that the Roman Empire collapsed some 1400 years ago. The last thing he remembers is the unrest over the new queen, Cleopatra VII, who came into power in the year 51 BCE. He is also surprised that the Foundation has read some of the sacred texts and have not been judged, suggesting that their incursion might not be a violation of something. He properly introduces himself as Theopolis, the Watcher of Alexandria Eternal, the most important thing in the world. He claims that it is a gift from the gods, all of them, including the Greek gods, the Egyptian gods, and perhaps even the Hebrew god. Although he doesn't know how old the library is, he knows it's older than the city, as Alexander built the city on top of it. The Watchers of 4001 before the birth of Theopolis, built the actual library of Alexandria on top of it, an archive over an archive. Only a very small number of them knew of the secret door that led down here, and not even the pharaohs knew of it. Theopolis has spent some time searching for the true name of 4001, but for now it's just Alexandria Eternal. When the library of Alexandria burned, He fled down here, and has been here ever since. He pauses the interview to pull a scroll from his robes, unrolling it, and pricking his finger to write a sentence on it in blood. He says that he has done that to give himself another day, as that scroll is his life story. When he first fled down here, he quickly ran out of food and water, so he found his own book and wrote new text that brought him back to health. When asked how he found the will to survive for so long, Theopolis explains that the library needed him, as she always needs someone to appreciate her. He also says that she sometimes speaks to him when he loses hope, telling him to keep waiting. 
Theopolis has walked the entire library many times and read many of the books. Originally, all of the books were scrolls, like his that he keeps on him, and eventually they became bound tomes before becoming modern books. The lamps were originally torches and candles, and the couches were originally woven benches. Theopolis has waded through all of this, hoping that someone will show up and tell him that his waiting has not been in vain. He asks the researcher who the current pharaoh is, and is told that there is no pharaoh, and the Roman Empire's collapse led to a number of empires. Theopolis ponders momentarily if things would have been different if they had been more open about Alexandria Eternal, but then thinks better of it before asking the researcher their plans for this place. Secure, contain, protect, of course, but Theopolis wonders if they plan to use it. The researcher is honest, saying that they might, but they will be cautious and only use it if necessary. Theopolis must have sensed that the Foundation were trustworthy enough, and so asked if he could see the sky again. He is granted permission to leave, speaks with the researcher some more as they watch the sunrise, and then Theopolis passes. Well, since we've got an anomaly that can permanently alter someone's life and history, let's crack open some D-Class. They started simple, writing in one individual's book that they lost all their hair, causing the D-Class to immediately begin losing hair, becoming bald after 75 seconds. Stepping up, a recently crippled D-Class was taken, and the line in their book about breaking their back while escaping from an SCP was erased. The woman suffered a slight nosebleed and a headache, but a couple minutes later was able to walk normally, with no recollection of being injured. A senior researcher on the project got a bit more bold, and used 4001 to cause an individual out in the world to die, by writing that they suffer a fatal heart attack. Insert death note reference here, and the researcher was heavily admonished for doing so. Next up, they decide to rewrite history a little further back than a few weeks, changing a D-class from being born as a healthy baby boy to a healthy baby girl. The D-class and 26 Foundation staff members all suffered severe nosebleeds and headaches before the D-class flickered in and out of existence before reappearing as a female. Even more interesting, the book was found for a D-class with a specific history of sexual assault and also the book for one of his victims, a young girl he murdered. The line in the D-Class's book about how he murdered the girl was erased, causing him and a number of researchers to have nosebleeds and headaches, as usual, but the D-Class then disappeared completely. Reading the books, it seems that history was changed so that the D-Class died three years ago from a violent altercation and the girl died in a car crash three days after her original murder. A researcher suspects that her death is possibly due to the tendency of altered timelines to replicate events from the original timeline to avoid paradoxes. Testing on D-Class is all well and good, but there's some real potential benefits here for plenty of people, such as a researcher with third-stage lymphoma. A line was added to her book stating that she was spontaneously cured of cancer, causing her to show immediate signs of recovery. 
Unfortunately, the lymphoma symptoms returned seven months later, either due to poor wording in the text, or perhaps the same effect causing altered events to correct themselves. Don't worry, we've got more to go, and the Foundation gets pretty creative. They take a blank book matching the style of the ones found in 4001, and write a fictional life story for a fictional man named Henry Adams. Henry's fictional life contains no connections to any significant figures in history, and is perfectly ordinary except for him ending up inside of SCP-4001. The book is placed on the correct shelf corresponding to his birth date, and suddenly a semi-opaque man showing signs of disorientation appears in 4001. He quickly began rocking back and forth, curled up in a ball, before vomiting blood, as his book began rapidly adding lines detailing his sudden mass organ failure and tumors. Henry Adams, taken too soon from this world, died a couple minutes later. The book also disappeared completely 24 hours later, and it would seem that whatever force is responsible for the library didn't care for that experiment too much. Or maybe it did. Since bringing fictional people to life didn't turn out too well, they next tried bringing the dead back to life. A D-class is lethally injected, and after the line about him dying through cruel and unnecessary poisoning is added to his book, the Foundation adds that he spontaneously resuscitated. Aside from coughing violently and losing some brain power due to lack of oxygen in his brain for a bit, the D-Class fully recovered. That's handy, but that was an immediate resuscitation, so let's see a bit longer of a period. A D-Class that had died three days prior, during a containment breach, is brought back by removing the line about being torn in half and crushed by a rampaging monster. She reappeared immediately in her quarters, but wouldn't respond to any questions, and suffered from severe headaches for eight days. She showed moderate disorientation for another 15 days before committing suicide, and all she said during the whole period was, send me back, let me go. Okay. Well, she did make a recovery of sorts, but not exactly viable. The Foundation, being as they are, then brought back a D-Class who had been killed in a containment breach a month prior. He did immediately reappear, but was suffering from cerebral hemorrhaging and died 13 minutes later. Definitely not viable. The woman with lymphoma was given another chance, though with a line that she was spontaneously and permanently cured of cancer and all other diseases added. She again showed immediate signs of recovery, but the symptoms returned after two years, despite the inclusion of the word permanent. Still, if all you have to do is write a line in a book, that's not a bad deal. For the final test, they took the book for another D-Class who had died two days prior, and added the line returned back to life in full and proper health, free from all infirmities physical, physiological, and psychological. The results are not detailed, but a Foundation site was heavily damaged, and the researcher responsible was removed. It seems that attempting something that drastic was an affront to something. This also resulted in the cessation of all experiments with 4001 involving bringing back the dead, as it just doesn't seem to work too well. 
Some years after the discovery of 4001, rather than trying to tackle the task of compiling all the information in the library themselves, two robotic AIs were developed for that purpose. They were dubbed Marvin and Molly, Marvin being a reference to the bot used on the SCP subreddit, who is commonly referred to as Marv. Their first task was simply to catalog every single name on every book in the library, a task which took the two 12 years to complete. During the process, they stumbled across three skeletons deep within 4001, two human and one horse, believed to have entered the library sometime in the 4th century BCE. Now, Molly adds new names to the database as they appear, and Marvin, equipped with wings enabling flight speeds up to 250 kilometers per hour within the library, helps staff locate and collect any book they request. Years after the introduction of the two robots, a book was found in 4001 titled Marvin and Molly. The robots were temporarily removed from the library, at which point the book disappeared, so the robots were brought back a week later. The book reappeared with the line, Marvin and Molly were returned to their true place of belonging, undoing the cruelty and callousness of their departure. The rest of the staff working on 4001 really care for the two robots, considering them part of the team, and it seems that the force in charge of 4001 considers them to be honorary librarians. Not all was fine and dandy after the Foundation took over, and at one point they got a pretty clear reminder of what could go wrong with this place. An individual working for the Foundation entered 4001 using proper clearance, and had Marvin collect a book for them. Seven hours later, 43 Foundation staff suffered from nosebleeds and headaches, leading a team to find the individual responsible inside of the library, disoriented, with a book at their feet. The book was for a Dr. Junifer Peters, who had a successful career at the Foundation, as well as a romance-turned-spiteful rivalry with the individual responsible. As part of this rivalry, this person had torn out the first page of Juniper's book. The Foundation immediately tried to repair the book using a needle and spool of thread, resulting in an unidentified woman flickering in and out of Foundation headquarters, screaming in panic. She eventually completely disappeared, and has not been seen since. No records exist for a Dr. Juniper Peters, and no staff recall ever meeting her. The archive manager insists that no non-archivist personnel, regardless of rank, are to be in 4001 alone, as all it takes is one early page ripped out to break all of human history. The final addendum relates to an experiment in which the O5 Council agreed to allow part of the floor of 4001 to be excavated to see what is underneath it. I'm not entirely sure why that needed to be done at all, but it's all in the name of science. They didn't go that far, though, simply removing a one-meter square of the carpet, finding a concrete floor and a layer of ash. The ash was sampled, the carpet was replaced, and that was the end of the exploration attempt. Carbon dating of the ash suggested it to be between 70,000 and 80,000 years old, created from the burning of wood and paper. It would also seem that this ash is located beneath most, if not all, of the carpet of the library. 
there is no record of a major fire within SCP-4001. Remember earlier when I said that the earliest books in the library were about 75,000 years old, and it confirmed the theory that today's humans developed from a very small pool. Thanks to the accompanying tale, Alexandria Burning, we get the whole story. To summarize it, basically, around that time period, there were billions of humans living on Earth in great, advanced civilizations. Alongside them was a group called the Organization, basically the Foundation, who contained anomalies, including Alexandria Eternal. The Toba supervolcano did go off, but that wasn't what wiped out everyone. Instead, shortly after that, global tensions hit their peak, and thermonuclear war broke out, or more accurately, mutually assured destruction. Nearly 10,000 nukes were launched around the world, wiping out humanity in the blink of an eye. One of the archivists responsible for Alexandria was safe inside of the library, but the organization was wiped out as well, including their contingency plan, the facility we know as SCP-2000. With these events, it was pretty much game over, but fortunately for us, the archivist inside of the library happened to have an anomaly on hand that could rewrite history. She managed to converse with the entity responsible for the library, who informed her that the only way to save the world from humanity's failures was to extinguish all trace of them. She poured gasoline across much of the library and lit it all on fire, erasing their species from existence. In the wake of this, though, with history rewritten, a new species emerged, Homo sapiens, with the first one being born about 75,000 years ago. The current archive manager leaves a note discussing SCP-4001 and Alexandria, the name for the force responsible for the library. He remarks that 4001 is potentially the greatest tool for the Foundation's success, but also the greatest weapon for the destruction of humanity. The library has a personality, though, and it watches those who work inside of it, passing judgment on their actions. The archive manager had read the book of the researcher who had performed all the experiments on different D-Class, and saw that Alexandria had made comments in the book, judging him for his arrogance and his attempts at playing God. As for the others who have worked and served in the library, their books contain far more positive comments, as Alexandria knows how much they care for it. He ends by remarking that we should never forget that this place is permitting them to be there, and if they don't respect it, Alexandria could doom them all. Alexandria Eternal is not the flashiest of SCPs. There's no cosmic horrors, or deadly monsters, or tense exploration logs. It is, however, well-written and interesting, which makes for a great SCP regardless. The realization that an entire species, very much like our own, once existed and was wiped out to pave the way for us is a chilling one, because if it happened once, it could happen again. Sure, the whole concept of time warping and changing the past is pretty anomalous, but at the end of the day, the adage holds true. If we don't learn from history, we are doomed to repeat it.